Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. He is risen. Three small words that brought the collective pace of humanity to an absolute standstill. He is risen. Three words that shattered prisons. Words that shook the earth's foundations. Words that transformed a sense of utter despair into cries of pure joy and ecstasy. Echoes of history's greatest triumph that still shape our reality. Even today, we're assaulted by constant distraction, countless sources waging war for our attention, yet three words pierce the noise. In our hunger for validation, our desperate pleas for love and attention, three words calm our anxiety. In a universe spinning at breakneck speed, its inhabitants locked in an existential crisis, three words proclaim the purpose of our existence. He is risen. Lay hold of this truth and embrace the peace within. Yesterday, fear reigned in our hearts. Yesterday, we sat in crippling darkness. Yesterday, we suffered abuse and all the accusations of a broken world. But today, our King, our Healer, our Defender is risen. And this reality doesn't merely accompany us on a meaningless journey. This changes everything. For you see, if he is risen, then all other pursuits become secondary. All of our failures become insignificant. All criticisms and condemnations become irrelevant. There is only his word, his mission, and his infinite, unconditional love for you. Because he is risen, we look to tomorrow. Tomorrow we will stop defining our worth through status and social media. Tomorrow we will together build an everlasting kingdom. Tomorrow and every day after, we will dance in the radiance of a redeeming Savior who crushed death and set us free. There is nothing that Jesus cannot overcome. We know this because he lives. We know this because he is risen. Good morning. It's so good seeing you. Saying earlier that uh, those online as well, we're glad you could join us. Hey, I just uh, I, I thought I thought this earlier this morning is that I'm glad we're in a climate that it's not snowing. You know, there's some people in Easter it's snowing, right? I'm thinking, that's hard, but you know, it lines up, like the spring, the renewal of life, all those things, and it's also a beautiful day, so we, every good and perfect gift comes from God. He is risen. It's so good. Uh, Kids, we're glad you're here. Uh, And I have the answers here, but you can't see them because I'm moving it too fast. There'll be a sheet you can go on here, and uh, like I said earlier, Jill, if you, they'll help you follow along. And it's in your packet. And if you had not got one packet, just run outside. We'll grab you one. Um, 
and uh, Jill is giving Xboxes and iPads. If you sit, if you have one that's correct and sent, oh, that's not true. Okay, so wait a minute, oh, that's not right. It's it's Jill is here's Jill said I will give you this. You did a great job. Thanks for following along. Okay, that's your reward. But do hang on there and uh, follow along. We're so glad everybody could be here. Um, you know, Americans. Uh, I don't know if you know that they love to celebrate. We celebrate holidays, we don't even know what's going on, right? You have a friend from out of, out of the country, you say, what, what do you do this in your holidays? And you say, I'm not sure. Easter's a little bit like that. It's kind of hard to figure out what's going on with everything, but we love celebrating it. And so uh, in Easter, we're going to, uh, my clicker, I'm going to have to have you kind of follow along with you. There you go. Um, 20, go back a bit. This happened last time, too. It's uh, Easter glitches. How about this? $24 billion, you know? Uh, we spent on Easter in 2023, is the best estimate, about $4 billion on clothes. See? No. And uh, <laughs> about $7 billion on food, about uh, uh, $3.8 billion on gifts. And then, of course, as you snuck around there and saw that before, $3.3 billion on candy. All right. So here are the guys, kids. This is your spiritual question for the day. We'll give you a couple of them here. First, kids only. What is the most popular Easter candy. What do you think? Tell me out. Jelly beans. What else? Chocolate bunnies. You said, oh yeah. I, I think we all agree. I could sense that was right. Chocolate bunnies. And so chocolate bunnies are the, uh, are the spot of, of, of uh, jelly beans. Uh, Isaac, you're going to, I mean, uh, yeah, Levi, you're going to help me get through this. So, so here's the thing is, and here's the, here's the next question. You can click to one more on the slide. What, how do you eat a chocolate bunny? This is important. What? what? No, ears first. Really? Are you sure, though? All right, here we go. Is it correct? Go for it. What's next? The drum roll is going to be... Oh, are you helping me out here? There you go. You're taking it... Are you, actually, here's something. She's taking it away from me, I think, actually. But she's doing, so... The next one, go ahead and drop what it is. What, you see what the, and the answer is, Levi? Drum roll. Okay, there you go. Woo! So most of you are right on that one. So anyway, the thing about it is, is that, and then what you'll see later is in, in uh, uh, our culture, we do a lot of celebrating uh, Easter egg hunts and eating candy and dying eggs and taking family photos and making Easter dinner. It's just a great way of celebrating. Thank you. And the Miss Emily McCall. So, so it's a great way of celebrating. Uh, the thing is, there's, there, we, we do make the list here, though. And uh, on, the, on the list, what we have is, I think I'm running it now, all right? I think I am. I don't know who's running it. Am I running it now? I don't think I am running it now. All right. So anyway, so eventually we'll get through this. This is like high tech. You know, the whole band did all their stuff without any problem. I got one clicker. <laughs> How does this work? I don't know. All right, so 43 for plan on going to church, right? Now, let's think about this. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing shade on a good egg hunt. and I like good chocolate ears as long as the bunny's chocolate. And... Uh, I like family photos. I love to celebrate with a good meal. I think many of us are doing that. But we're here because, and think about this, 
Right now, in the United States, even with the people who thought they were going to come, didn't come, there are probably over 130 million people gathering to say he is risen, to, de to declare that, to worship a living Jesus. There are billions of people right now, some earlier than us and later than us, all cultures, all languages, all customs, there are worshiping Jesus. Billions. And, you know, just this morning, I was, I uh, flipped through Facebook because on a live feed, there was a Kiev Vineyard in Ukraine watching the, the Vineyard Live <laughs> early this morning. Everywhere, it's happening. And we're a part of this. You know, if you think about the very first Easter, here we are 19... 190 years ago, at the same time, on a Sunday, which caused us to always begin worshiping on Sunday, disciples came together, and they're just freaking out. And they're saying, he's risen. <laughs> he's risen indeed. They just, they can't put that in English terms. This is real. It actually happened. And then we go on to all the persecution of the first century. And because of this living Jesus, the church grew at crazy levels. Second century, third century, fourth century, fifth century. We say, let's make a creed. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. He, did, he descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. So we've lived... And the Apostles' Creed still hands today. We're at 21st century, April 9th, and we're able to say, Jesus is alive. And he's risen from the dead. So today, we're going to talk about the joy of the resurrection. Um, you know, when you say that, let's say, let's say it again. It's, it never gets old. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's do it again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And what you can understand when you say those things, you're declaring something that's true. And as you understand that truth to a deeper level, when you speak it, your words and your mind start connecting to something at a deeper level, a longing of your heart, and knowing that this is true, a testimony of your heart. And so we believe that in our church. I believe that. My brother, when I first came to Jesus, looked at me, everybody here has heard this phrase a billion times, I'm sorry, and he looked at me and he tried to explain everything about Jesus and how the factual of the resurrection and the Bible, and he finally looked at me and he said, wait a minute, David, it's getting late. Jesus, you know me, which means I, I know all his stuff. He lives in me. He can live in you. And I just knew, right? So today, we actually believe that. N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, after looking at all the evidence, he says this. That is why, as a historian, I cannot explain the rise of the early Christian, Christianity unless Jesus rose again, leaving an empty tomb behind him. Now, for most of you, when we state that statement... You can say it from your heart, I do believe that, right? 
Some of you, if you're honest, you may not even say it because like, I don't believe that, right? I, I don't really think of the resurrection as something that actually happened. And, uh, you know, or you, you believe it, but it's not something that is something that has seemed to have affected your life, but you kind of, you, you, you ascend to that belief. And that's completely great to be honest with wherever you're at. But I, I decided I'm going to take the next three hours to give you the evidence of the <laughs> resurrection. Do you mind just staying here? No, I would not be the person to do that. But we did thought that would be a good thing because that's important if you're at that spot to be able to process. And so in, at vcclife.org, you'll see the slide. It will talk to you about this place that... Uh, my clicker is not working, but there you go. All right. It may be working or it may not be working. We may be simultaneously hooding at the same time. I'm not sure. Um, but the, we give you an article so you can just quickly read an article. But there, there's also four different books that are, uh, some are a little too heavy to read. But you, you can look it over. But these are from people a lot smarter than me, different scholars, and looking at the, just the true facts that the resurrection is actually a part of history and a part of a fact. And it's a resurrection where Jesus actually came and interacted and ate and they touched him. And so... No matter where you're at, though, when you think, he's risen, and you just feel it down in your heart, right? You think, eh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> or anybody anywhere in between. You know, it's like the reality of it is, is, you know, belief is this interesting thing. When we believe something, I, I've said a lot of things I've believed, right? Like when I first came to Christ, I realized he believed what he did allowed me to be forgiven of my sins. But guess what? As time went on, I really believed that to deeper and deeper levels of my core, right? And the resurrection is the same way where we can say we believe it, but we want today for everybody here to go to a different level of understanding this is true. And, and, and as we understand that this is true, what you'll find, it will bring joy. There's this thing about joy that just comes in this place of the resurrection. And I don't know how to describe, joy is an interesting word, because uh, in joy, you know, next slide, it's, it's places it talks about this place of, you know, you can, you can, you can joy, you have joy in all kinds of things. Like, you can enjoy eating good chocolate, right? Good meal. And just a fun thing you're doing, a pleasant thing. Every good and gift, perfect gift comes to God. And there's joy, but it's more, more in the area, even this could be defined as joy, it's more happiness. Joy is something that's a deeper place. And in fact, I thought I kind of understood joy. I mean, it's the second fruit of the Spirit, right? But I thought, I don't know if I understood it after I started looking into it, because it's much deeper. And I think there's things that we have in life that help us capture, like, what is really happening in the bigger truth of things. And I think, well, what experience did I have that I could probably say, I don't that, that was way beyond happiness, that was a joy. And I think the thing that for me was, is we adopted both our daughters, and to this day, even though it was over 30 years ago, I remember that moment as we adopted them as infants, and we held them in our arms. I remember just brushing Emily's face. I remember Elise was at a restaurant on a table, and we're just staring at her. And I'm telling you, it was way more than happiness. It was kind of tied to something I knew was from God, and it allowed me, it was just, it felt right. It felt what I longed for. It also put me on this place of thinking of the future of all this would mean, right? There's this place of joy that goes down to this deeper place within us. And so, as we look at that, as we start understanding 
that when we believe in the resurrection, the degree we believe brings a degree of joy. And it, joy is actually not from, you know, it's just not natural. It's a, it's a, it, joy is something that, of the fruit of the Spirit. It is from God. And when we say about belief, we're not just saying mentally assent to a theology or a belief. We're turning to a place that we begin grasping what is true and what that means. And what that means now and what that means that's coming. And it just translates into this place of this thing called joy. And my prayer here is that everybody here, as we listen, that God will just give you a more belief in Jesus, whether it be your first time of believing in him or you've believed him for years and now you're understanding, you're letting that go to a deeper place and understanding that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Now, Paul is writes to the Corinthians and in 15, he's basically helping them because the Corinthians are getting off track. And they begin, well, do we, are, is there really a resurrection after this life for us? And aren't sure. And so he's talking about the whole thing of resurrection and trying to help them understand what was true. Now, they're Christians, but they needed to be reminded of what was true. And in chapter 15, it goes, it's a long chapter, so I'm going to give you little highlights of it. But he starts out this place where he's in first, starting in verse 14, says, and if Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and our faith is useless. And we apostles would have been lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that's not true, true to be, that's not, uh, it can't be, if that cannot be true, then there's no re- resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. Listen to this. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, We are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Tim Keller, in a sermon, he said this. I have a lot of respect for Tim Keller and how he puts things. He says, if Jesus rose from the dead, then we have to accept all that he said. If he did not rise from the dead, then why worry about anything? And what, any of what he said. The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like this teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Now, then a little bit later in chapter 15, he talks in this place of kind of understanding that uh, I think I missed a section there, didn't I? Sorry about that. Anyway, I'll go back to that later. Uh, and then he goes on to a spot where he starts speaking of, of this place of, but that's not true. Christ did raise Jesus from the dead. And then he says this. He says, 
but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. That's a good way of starting anything. I'm listening up. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. And he quotes out of Isaiah, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sin? Sting. For sin is a sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That verse that he's speaking out of is Isaiah. It continues on and says, He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. What's coming is that. And so, as we think about this thing of joy, uh, this place of joy, it actually has this, it's an interesting word. Uh, Tim Mackey, I think, actually gives a good explanation of what joy is. And joy is, biblical joy is more than a happy feeling. It's lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust God, that trust God will fulfill his promises. You know, joy is kind of everywhere you look. I mean, in the scripture. There's this place that, I mean, let's get honest. Could you not use some of this deeper joy in your life right now? <laughs> in the world that is not filled with joy right now. In the pain that we go through, in the broken relationships, in the conflicts, in the difficulty, in the sickness. You know, but we see that joy is always something that God is wanting us to give as we believe fully in Jesus. Remember how Jesus was announced? What'd they say? The angel said it. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. <laughs> and then we think, well, how does joy work now? It's this whole thing of this place of joy that we experience it presently, but our joy is coming from this place that we're longing to go towards the future. And we look at Jesus himself showing us how do we live in a world that has pain and actually find joy well, we fix our eyes on Jesus, it says in Hebrews, because he's our example. And he says in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy is not based on circumstances. It's based on understanding the promises of God and knowing that at a deep level that he'll be faithful to that. The scripture I'd like to read is just in John 16, 20. It says, truly, truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. In other words, he's preparing his disciples for his death. He says, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn. It's going to be really painful. You will grieve, but guess what? Your grief will turn into joy. And that's what we see happening. You know, for me, one of the most um, 
beautiful verses that speak about joy is in Luke. And if you can imagine this, just put yourself into, into, into this. Just imagine yourself in a place where you're one of the disciples and you've been grieving <laughs> and you've been really thrown off and you lost hope and you feel overwhelmed with the pain and the evil of the world and Jesus is dead. And then all of a sudden, you start realizing the tomb's empty. And all of a sudden, you've been actually, Jesus shows up. <laughs> and you're trying to take this in. You have to realize, they don't know what to do with this either. It's over the top. And so imagine them gathering around Jesus, and they're hanging out. And they're touching him, and they're eating food with him. And they're trying to understand what in the world is going on, and they say, still they stood there in disbelief, <laughs> filled with joy and wonder. I love this. Then, they, then Jesus asked them something. Then Jesus asked them, do you have anything here to eat? This is like, I'm sure they, did he say that? <laughs> this is a moment where he's alive and they gave him a piece, a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. They were grasping this amazing thing that took place. He has risen. He's overcome. And what that meant to them, it meant everything that he had promised and everything they were questioning, questioning not too long ago is even true at all, all those things are actually true. And they started taking that in. And what you see in the New Testament is from that point on, you see a whole different thing happening among every follower of Jesus. They went from timid and afraid to people who had great joy and confidence, even facing their own death by declaring that Jesus rose from the dead. And we see God's spirit and power come in ways we've never seen before. And they were, they were in relationship because they realized my relationship with Jesus has just gotten started. 